Hi, hi. Okay, so, hi, Katie Bugs. So, it's Thursday. <laughs> Thank you so much. Happy New Year from Rhode Island. Love it. Okay, so, hi, Jen. I'm going to share a little bit about my recovery story, which doesn't seem like it should be that hard, but I'm kind of nervous about it. And I don't even really know why, because I'm open about my recovery. But anyway, there's a lot, a lot, a lot I could tell. So I made notes that are on my mirror <laughs> so that I could pare it down a little bit so that I don't go meandering, because y'all know how I get sidetracked. It's not hard. Okay, so here's the other thing. Because I cannot tell everything, because there's no way I can tell it all without probably breaking the internet, and we all die a thousand deaths. <laughs> Thank you guys. Um, I'm just, I've tried to kind of pare it down and just know there's a whole heck of a lot that I won't be sharing tonight, but I'm gonna kind of try and condense it. Because what I, I do, I actually have sweet tea with extra sugar, <laughs> which maybe that wasn't a good idea, but that's a whole other story. Because I do want to help, I'll help you with the red spinner. I do want to tell you a little bit about my story, but I also want you to have some takeaways, like some stuff that, <laughs> toilet paper issues, that I wish maybe I'd known sooner or that have helped me, that have helped me. And I'm not saying I'm, I'm not saying I'm perfect because I am far from it. And I'm not saying I've got it all figured out, but I do have some things that have worked for me. Okay. You guys are the bomb. <laughs> so my whole life, I never had a very healthy relationship with alcohol. I've struggled with this won't surprise anybody, ADD, <laughs> not the hyperactive side, which is also sort of surprising, but ADD, anxiety, depression, I have that whole package of junk. Um, so, <laughs> thank you, Janie. So, there's that. That's always been sort of there. And I, um, when I went, I went to boarding school for high school, and I would say that's when it most started like the depression started to show and I was really homesick and I think I thought what I was processing as homesick was really depression um so and you know that's all that like clarity and retrospect but my junior year in high school I have one sister who's two years older than I am Allison and she was a freshman in college and I went to go see her for a weekend and I had never had any alcohol and we went to all these fun parties at Princeton, and it was really kind of magical and wonderful. And I drank for the first time, and I, I thought I'd never been funnier. I thought I'd never been cuter. I was the best dancer on the planet. I'm like, oh my gosh, where has this magic been my whole life? Like, all of a sudden, I'm like not feeling insecure, like all these things. Okay, so that was probably my first like, dancing with the devil where I'm like, wait, I'm fabulous when I drink. <laughs> I'm like really fabulous, even though I don't think I was fabulous. Like in retrospect, I can promise you it probably was not at all fabulous. Um, so anyway, okay. So that's when I sort of started my unhealthy relationship. And I would say it didn't really get much better. Um, it was, I, I think I sort of was pulling it off for a number of years. <laughs> um, my son, I'm a sing, I was a single mom for a lot of years. I have Skylar, who's now 20. And when he was about 16 months old, his dad left. And so 
I was not prepared for that. And being a single mama, Sarah, I love you. And you, <laughs> we don't need alcohol to be fab. That's my bestie, who is part of the reason I'm sober. That was something else I was going to talk about. Um, but so being like having a 16-month-old and that whole like dream of family falling apart and just all the stuff that came from that, I would drink when I didn't have Skylar, which thankfully wasn't often. But when he would go to his dad's, I would drink because I didn't know what to do to fill the hole of not having my son. And a broken family and all that jazz. So for a number of years, I've moved in with my parents because I finally realized I'm never going to be able to buy a house for Skylar if I don't move in with my parents. No, no, don't be sad. <laughs> it's not sad. It's okay. <laughs> I mean, it was a little sad. It's a little sad. But it's not super sad. I mean, it's life. Life is hard. That's all there is to it. Life is hard. But it's also packed with blessings and joy and humor and all this other great magical stuff that and glitter, and makeup, and hot, hot curls, <laughs> whatever they are, curl secrets. Okay, so I moved back in with my parents to save money so I could eventually get a house for Skylar and me, which was really actually a great chapter living with my parents and Skylar. That was really fun. Um, and then I finally, finally, finally saved to get this house that I love, and I still to this day like have a hard time that we ever sold that house in Florida. And Ipsy, I mean, what's not to love? <laughs> we are living the dream. So I finally saved up enough money to get us this house. And then we got in that house and I was like, shit. I know, Katie, you've been through all of it, baby girl. So I was like, crap, I need to pull, start the lawnmower. And how am I going to pay for Skylar's college? And what if somebody breaks in at night? So all these things started really weighing on me. And my I wasn't living with my parents anymore. I was alone and lonely and why am I a single mom? All of these dark things that come in your head. And I would pretty much put Skylar to bed and drink a bottle of wine. But then I would get up and did a really great job at my job. And I was a Cub Scout mom. And I taught Sunday school and was doing a good job at my job. So I think it actually looked sort of together <laughs> from the outside. Even though I personally thought it was. I thought I was pulling it off just fine. Thank you for the love. But... I know now I was really seriously on a one-way street to a dead end. And thankfully, um, I'm feel, I feel really fortunate that nothing, hurt, nothing worse happened in that chapter. Um, I mean, the funny thing is I would lie in bed and drink, two, got to where I was drinking two bottles of wine at night. Didn't seem like a big deal. Just hide them under the newspaper in their cycling bin and roll on. Fine. No problem. I didn't see a problem. <laughs> um, anyway, it would be ironic because I would lie there drinking of all wine in bed worrying about how I'm going to take care of Skylar when now I'm like drunk. Like, how am I going to take care of Skylar? Not that way, you know. So anyway, um, then when Skylar, so we're trucking along <laughs> thinking we're pulling it off fairly well. And in a lot of ways I was, but in a lot of ways I wasn't. So the other thing that may be not surprising to anyone is that even when you take Prozac for depression, if you wash it down with vodka, it is far less effective. You're welcome. <laughs> so I was still battling depression pretty head on and thinking, I'm like, I'm going to the doctor. I'm taking all my medicine. Why isn't this crap working? Well, newsflash. So... My, I met my current husband now, and we got married, 
and oh, that's cool. So we got married and he moved in with us and <laughs> hashtag you're welcome. So he moved in with us and I think he lived there for a week and was like, um, can we not have wine with dinner or like after Scott goes to bed? And I'm like, uh, no, we can't not. <laughs> the double negative makes a positive. <laughs> I'm like, well, you can. That's fine. Because now I have more wine. This is magical. I shouldn't marry you in the first place. You're not fun. I knew you weren't fun. This is really literally the conversations that went down in my house. So fast forward maybe three weeks to where he was like, I cannot stay here. <laughs> True story. You know, I thought I married my dream girl. And this is actually like kind of my worst nightmare. And he felt like, only because he's told me like, I cannot leave you and Skylar. I cannot stay here. I don't want to be married to this, but I can't leave you without getting you help. So, I, of course, I didn't know any of this was, this was behind the scenes. We love John. We heart John. <laughs> so, I take Skylar to school one morning after a drunken stupor of wine night before, but I think I'm doing fabulously. Take Skylar to school. I come home and my mom and sister in my driveway and are basically like, John is leaving, but he's concerned, so we're here to get you help. He is a true Prince Charming. So I'm like, well, this is a bunch of junk. This is stupid and dramatic, and now I really need a glass of wine. <laughs> so, but truthfully, at the same time, I would be lying if I said I did not have a huge, also, hi from Scotland, sense of immense relief. <laughs> of like, okay, crap, maybe I don't mind. <laughs> There's a little bit of a team helping me, save me for myself. Um, but that day they came and picked me up and um, I don't know who picked Skylar up from school that day. And I've never really asked. <laughs> so, you know, I can't talk about Skylar without, but anyway, I, I imagine it was my mom. Um, and they took me to the local, there was, there's a mental hospital that's actually amazing in my hometown where I actually ended up on the board miraculously after getting out of that hospital a couple of years later. Um, but anyway, they checked me into that hospital because uh, Skylar was, well, he was 10. He would have been 10. Um, so, okay, hold on. I got it. I got it. <laughs> Pull it together. Um, so they took me that day. And it saved my life. It saved my life. And um, the doctor that I was seeing for Prozac that wasn't working because I was washing it with vodka. You're welcome. Again. I won't charge you for this advice. <laughs> um, anyway, he basically said to my sister and my mom, okay, you can't like start an intervention and then not intervene. So you've got to get her somewhere. So take her to this local hospital until you figure out where to send her for rehab, which they did. Um, and at that point I thought my husband was leaving, had left. <laughs> I won't cry. I'm not going to cry. So, um, anyway, I, there, there's, there are a lot of things that I could tell about all of these things. Oh, we're the same. Your son was 11 and now 21. That's amazing. So, okay. So there's, I don't have time to even go into all the details of a lot of this stuff, but Basically, I ended up at rehab for six weeks. I need to hydrate you right. Okay. 
I personally thought they misdiagnosed me because when I got to the rehab center, they said I was an alcoholic. And I was like, bless their hearts. They just don't know because this, they don't know. But they'll figure it out. I'm going to go through the motions because everybody's on my case about it. Hang on. Until <laughs> I'm like, okay, is there, do you guys have like a check-in form? Is there like a checklist? Because I'm going to go down the checklist and clearly people will realize that I just like cocktails. <laughs> But we're fine, and my husband's just not fine. This is obvious to me and not to everybody else. So I go down the checklist, and she was like, well, okay, let's get your room. Um, and I'm like, what are they doing putting me in a room? Like, staying, staying? Like, for the whole program? Like, six-week program? Oh, Lord have mercy. Okay, I will post the video. I'm sorry it's buffering. Um, so then it occurred to me that, <laughs> well, crap. I think that lady's actually trained in this stuff, so maybe I should, well, actually, at that point, I didn't have an option, so I might as well get the program, and that night, the place where I went was in Gainesville, Florida, because I lived, I'm from Florida. My dad went to law school at University of Florida, and Gainesville has an amazing medical facility, Shands Hospital, and they have, they have um, a cool recovery center there, and so that's where I was for six weeks. And that night, they had they have daily um, meetings, AA meetings there. So I went to one of those that night, and everybody was sort of like, is there anybody new that wants to pick up a chip? And I'm looking around the room like, oh, that's nice. Somebody's going to pick up a chip. And then I realized everybody's looking at me like, are you going to pick up a chip? And I was like, oh, oh, you guys are Shans? That's amazing. Oh, that's amazing. So I'm looking around waiting for people. I'm like, who are they looking at? Oh, shit. I think I'm supposed to go get a chip. So I'm like, oh, crap. Oh, and then it sort of started to sink in. Like, okay, this is why I'm here. And I, I remember saying to my mom um, when they checked me in, Mom, what are you doing? You're not even doing this right, which I don't even know what that means. And she was like, Natty. There is no book on how to send your adult daughter to rehab. So I don't know. No, I drink in the day some too. I drink in the day some too. But I was more like on the weekends when I didn't have Skylar or at night. Um, but I just remember my mom saying like, Natty, I don't know what I'm doing. There is no way to know what I'm doing, you know, and that really hit me hard. And then I, and I didn't say this, sorry. Um, that night when they checked me into the rehab thing, I saw my husband's car in the very back of the parking lot. He was the last car. Mm, sorry. He was the last car there. So he never really left, which is amazing. And when I did finally get him on the phone and went to ring his neck and said, I can't remember when this was probably before he stayed the night. I stayed the, in the parking lot. I can't remember. It's all very fuzzy. But I remember saying to him, what in the hell are you doing to me? This is utterly ridiculous. Because you can imagine I was real sweet. And he was like, babe, this is my worst nightmare. This is like, this is not what I thought I would be doing. And if you think this is what I wanted to do, you are absolutely wrong. And so that kind of hit me hard. Like, oh, crap. <laughs> well, now I'm starting to feel bad, people. Anyway, okay. So, oh, gosh. Okay. So, fast forward, let's get back to rehab. I found out after rehab that um, 
I found out after rehab that every day at 3 o'clock that I was on suicide watch. I didn't know that while I was there. But that was when I would go pick up Skylar from school. So I literally had like a physical reaction around like 2.30 where I'm like, wait, but who's picking up Skylar from school? I need some, I need to know who's picking up Skylar from school. So I had a really hard time. But basically what my goal was in all of it was I think me getting well is the fastest, most direct path, point A to point B, to get back to my son. So we're going to make the most of this hard thing and get back to my son. The goal is to get back to my son. And I really, really, really for a long time did not believe that I was worth being sober ever. I mean, I just didn't think, I felt even worse about myself realizing where I was. But that kid sure as hell deserved a sober mama. And I was going to get back to that kid. Um, and it saved my life. It saved my life. So, mm, sorry. <laughs> anyway, uh, there's more I could tell you. And there's more I will tell you. But essentially for me, it was finding, like, I had to have a couple of things, because this crap is hard. <laughs> Staying sober is hard, and the thing I think that's sort of a misconception about recovery is that, like, oh, you got sober. That's wonderful. It's not like that. I mean, you literally have to be, you have to recover every day. So, it's, it's funny to me that people are like, oh, you got better. Actually, I even perceived it that way before sobriety, but, like, Hell no. Like, you're back. We're back at ground zero every day. I say, okay, God, show me the way today. Because you don't know. And I mean, it's a really, really dangerous disease. Because I have seen it. I have seen it even in myself where you think, you're good. You can pull this off. Like, you can, like, just drink on the weekends with your girlfriends that are like normal people. That is so dangerous. It is so dangerous for me because I have, I know about myself and I'm not saying it just to be dramatic because it sounds overly dramatic and you know I can have a tendency to be a little bit dramatic. Just a little bit. <laughs> but I know if I ever drink again, I will not survive it. And I mean, I know, I'm not sure how long it would take, but I think just the guilt of it, I don't think I would survive. I mean, I'm not saying I don't think. I would not survive a relapse. And that scares the crap out of me. And that keeps me sober because I don't I don't think God meant for that. I just don't think that's what God intended with this life. That's what I believe. So, here are the things. I'm so proud of you guys. I'm sorry I'm not saying everything to everybody that I'm reading. I'm so freaking proud of you guys. I'm sorry I can't react to everything. Um, so let me think what else I was going to say. Okay. Let me fast forward a little bit past this. We moved to Richmond about 10 years ago. I'm from Florida in my hometown. I came home from rehab. I tried to really be open about my recovery. I was glad to be open about my recovery because I feel like it protected me because I don't trust myself. Again, it's back to why I even share with you guys. I don't, I don't need to be alone in this. I need people all around me to know, like, uh, you know, is that a Diet Coke? You know. <laughs> um, so it say it helps me being open. And the thing about addiction and alcoholism is, um, thank you for protecting me, guys. I know there are haters out there, but I don't care. 
this needs to be said. Um, and now I can't remember what the heck I was going to say. I'll get back to that. I can't remember. Okay, so we moved here 10 years ago. And so my son then, oh, hellfire. I can't do the math. I did, did I do the math wrong? Sarah, do the math. <laughs> so we moved here and mostly what I kept, the secrets keep you sick. That's right, yeah, that's right, thank you. Yeah, I, that is a dangerous thing. It, the alcoholism and addiction feeds on secrecy. So I do better just airing that crap out. Um, but we moved to Richmond and mostly what I felt like is, oh my gosh, I never said it out loud, but I just thought, oh, how wonderful for Skylar. Like he can have a sober mom here. How cool is that? I mean, not that he ever, ever, ever made me feel bad about not being that in Florida, but I just thought, oh, this is awesome. Like we can start over. I didn't mind for me. I know how freaking hard it is. <laughs> I'm proud of myself, but I thought how nice for Sky. So we hadn't lived here long and I was, I mean, I'll never forget because I was coming down our stairs and I was on the landing and he had a couple of his friends over and he was in sixth grade. Um, he was 12. Thank you, Sarah. So he's in sixth grade and was just, I don't know what started their conversation, but I got on the landing and all I heard was, oh no, don't worry. My, we don't, well, there's no alcohol in this house. My mom doesn't drink. She's been sober all these years. I'm so proud of her. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. Okay, we're testing mascara, and I know which one I have on. We're finding out tonight if it works, for realsy. Sorry, some of this stuff I just can't say without crying. So he was like, I'm so proud of my mom. You guys don't believe. So I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that kid is proud of me. I am crazy forever carrying shame with this thing. He is so proud of me. And literally what he always is like, mom, it's a big deal. This is a big deal. And over the years, like I'll be like, well, we don't need to go get my poker chip this time. Like you've got football practice, whatever. I've got work stuff. It's like, mom, we're going to get your poker chip. This is a big deal. <laughs> I'm sorry. So he was like, mom, I know the mascara is still working so well. <laughs> <laughs> I love you guys. Um, okay, so I, listen, I cry all the time. I like literally crying kind of keeps me sane. <laughs> the, the big worries when I'm not crying, everybody's like, hi, you haven't cried, like everything okay? So anyway, that changed me. And I thought, what? I should be proud of this. And basically, like he said, his mom, it'll help people. Like you always hear about people. <laughs> Still looks good though. You always hear about people relapsing. Um, you don't hear this many stories about recovery. Like, I'm really proud of you. That was a huge thing for me. A huge thing for me. This kid, I love this kid. <laughs> I freaking love this kid. So, anyway, now where are we? Okay, so there are about a million bazillion other things I could say about this whole thing. But what I don't want to fail to say is... I just want to touch on the things that have kind of been helpful for me. One is treat your depression if you have it. I still, I go every three months, I go see the doctor, I take my, whatever it is, I can't even remember what I take, Wellbutrin or Prozac or who, I've, I've taken all of them in different chapters, so I can't remember. So I take, literally wake up every morning and it's on my nightstand and I don't miss a day because my life depends on that. And I go see that doctor 
and I can't remember exactly when it happened, but there was a really long time where they, they never called it anything but like my whatever mental check. And then they started calling it a wellness visit, which that was huge <laughs> too. Like, oh, it's a wellness visit. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so now it's a wellness visit, but that's after a whole hell of a lot of not well visits. So and I'm not knocking those because I may be back at the well, the not well tomorrow. We're not sure. But anyway, I would just say, go see your doctor. It is nothing to be ashamed of. It's being proud to be brave enough to face it. That is not anything to be afraid of. Well, Butrin, okay, I think that's what I'm taking. And I think it's kind of working. <laughs> we'll find out. No, I'm kidding. I've been on that one for a while. Okay, so that's one thing. And I've had a couple of really freaking hard things happen since and in, in the last probably three years um that have hit me with grief that I thought I wouldn't survive that um but same thing I started to go get counseling and I mean I was all over that counselor and I hate counseling I hate it hate it hate it hate it but I kept going kept going kept going so mainly I would just say if you can do with that stuff and face it Treat it, talk about it, do whatever the stupid crap they tell you to do. And it's horrible. I'm probably going to make people mad about it. They'll tell you, write stuff down, you know, work through stuff, but do it. Like, it actually, I do think it works. So I hate doing it, but actually I think it works. And it helps you not carry, carry, carry this stuff. You can put it down and work through it. Okay. Also, I am not at all trained in any of this. I mean, I have like, no, no training, and I don't know that there's a right or wrong way. I'm just telling you what is work for me, if that is encouraging at all. So I don't mean to say, like, you have to go do this. Grief sucks. But I survived that, too. Um, And, and I'm going to share more about that because when I was going through it, I couldn't find anything on recovery and grief, and it scared the crap out of me. Okay. Well, next for me, again, these things I don't necessarily love, but one of the few things that I found for me, if I'm – like the difference between do I take a tequila shot because I'm really in a hard place or do I go for a walk and get outside or go exercise? It's like one of the few things you can do that's about as effect quick as a shot. <laughs> Not quite, maybe. But um, like exercise is huge, 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 huge for me. It like keeps me sane. Now, have I been to the gym in a month? Hell now. <laughs> so, but guess, guess where I need to get back real quick. So I just, that's one thing. And even if it's not like cardio, like if you just get outside and walk your dog, it will, it, for me, gets me out of my crazy. Okay. Yay. Okay. Oh yeah. Hydrate. Mm -hmm. Okay. For me, I do not speak Arabic. I'm sorry. Um, going to church, Usually when I start feeling like I'm fully derailed and I look back and I'm like, okay, I haven't had a good night's sleep in a week. Um, I haven't been to church. I haven't been exercising. I'm not taking care of myself. And usually, literally, if I can fix like three of those, almost within two days, I'm like, oh, okay, we're going to make it. We're going to make it. So that's another thing. And getting enough sleep. I'm not great at all these things. I'm just telling you that they're usually the things that make me realize I'm being derailed. The other thing I would say that is important, and it really only takes like one friend, but I think you need a friend who is in recovery and gets it. 
or somebody you can talk to that is in recovery because it is weird, this recovery thing. It's unique and you feel like you are literally the only person on the planet and you aren't, but you literally feel like you're the only person on the planet. So having somebody you can talk to that gets how freaking weird this disease is and what it's like is a huge, 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 huge help. And having friends who aren't in recovery, like some of my best friends who, like Sarah, my best friend, will not, I mean, I've tried to like order wine for her when we're places where I'm like, just have a glass of wine, I'm fine. And she's like, I just can't do it. Like, I can't, I don't want to do that. Um, so, but it's mainly just because she loves and supports me and it has been huge. And like Jen, I know my girlfriend, Jen, Gracie, who invented the fojito and same thing is not drinking now. Like, it's just, it's amazing that the amount of strength you can get from that, even when you're strong in your recovery is you can't even, there aren't any words to put on it. Okay. Oh, yeah, right. The hungry, hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. I mean, and if you check all four, it's scary. <laughs> okay. The other thing that I have found is, like, love you. You don't have to go to the party. And I mean, there are times that, like, you just, like, I just don't go. If I'm feeling stressed, like, I might be feeling insecure or weird or I don't want to answer the questions about why I'm not drinking or whatever. I mean, part of the reason I used to drink is I have social anxiety. Um, and so I would always drink a couple cocktails before I'd go somewhere because I was worried I'd do something stupid, which is the only thing I can ensure will make me do or say something stupid. Again, the logic is not, you know, all that stellar. Um, but like there are times where I just am like, I'm just not going to go. I don't have to go. Nobody is making me go to this party or I can go and I can leave. So, um, Anyway, that's another thing. Just give yourself permission to not put yourself in a position where you feel jeopardized. Another thing I would say is find, like, the thing. Find the thing. Like, for me, it was Skylar. And it will take you time. I really, really, really mean it when I tell you. I didn't think I deserved to be sober. It took me a couple of years in sobriety to realize that it was worth it for me. Um, but that kid needed a sober mama, period. <laughs> And so I wasn't necessarily doing it for the right, all the right reasons initially, but the good thing is, and I also firmly believe this, whatever the hell keeps you sober, just do that. <laughs> just do that thing, whatever that thing is. And if that's what keeps you sober, you'll grow in it and you might, it might become a better reason behind it like it did for me. But um, when you're just, especially early and you're just trying to stay sober, just freaking do whatever it is that keeps you sober and don't apologize for it. Um, the other thing I would say about that, like not apologizing, is I found, have found in recovery that was very unnerving because I like, I don't know, I was trying so hard to like get with the program, um, is people will say things like, you really need to go to a meeting every day. I, I was, we're about, I'm about to talk about A. Or, you know, make sure you, the, uh, I don't want to say anything specific because I'm not, I don't want to say anything negative about other people's recovery. But I just have, have had people say like, you know, these are things you really need to be doing and you should be doing this and you should be doing this. And I'm like, I'm not doing this. I'm not even good at being sober. Like, what the hell am I going to do? I can't even recover right. But I finally found for myself, okay, this is going to be, this is a lifetime. <laughs> this isn't a like, you know, get in shape for your bikini summer, which I can't even do that crap. But um, 
this is like literally, I have to, this is a marathon. This is a lifetime. Like I plan on dying sober and that could hopefully be a lot of years. So I got to figure this out to be a long-term thing. Um, and so if things aren't sustainable, don't do them. And I, I didn't, I didn't feel like I wanted to go to a meeting every day and I stopped feeling bad about it. And I was like, okay, I don't feel bad about this. I know I need to go exercise at least every other day day or so. Um, I know I got to get to church. I know I got to get enough sleep. I know I need time with my son and my husband, like find what works for you. It is your recovery. And mainly what I'd say is just don't be discouraged or disheartened if your recovery doesn't look like somebody else's recovery. Cause that was hard for me. Um, Right, you don't have to go to meetings every day. Just do whatever it is that's gonna keep you sober that day. That's the dealio. I mean, meetings are amazing. All the things that are there as tools, when in doubt, do them. But don't beat yourself up about it if it's not a perfect fit. Um, let me think, the last thing I would say about all this, and of course there's plenty more, and I don't mean to seem preachy or you know, like holier than thou, because I'm not. Um, but for me, telling my story was huge. It, it, um, I think it is just about like airing the secret and not keeping the secret and then seeing just that it would help maybe one or two other people because even when now, if you see on the news, somebody has a relapse, perhaps it's like a celebrity, like I cry, I cry and I try not cry. It makes me cry because I think people in recovery, you walk around feeling scared that you're going to be that girl the next minute, you know, any minute. So it's terrifying. And when people, especially in recovery for a long time, and then they relapse, it's really, honestly, it's terrifying for me. It scares the crap out of me. So I start feeling like, okay, wait, can somebody with, can we hear good stories of people that like are in recovery and living their best life? And I'm not saying I'm living my best life, but I'm living a better life than I was. So that's the other reason I feel like it's important. Um, and two, when I got to rehab, um, all these people are just sitting you down, telling you all these things that, you know, this is how you're going to get sober. And I literally did that thing where you do like, I'm scrunching their head, dying, I'm killing your head, like this thing in all the meetings. Um, and I'm like, you don't freaking, like, you have no idea what I'm dealing with. I'm in internal hell. You have no idea what I'm dealing with. You do not know what it's like to fight this until I found out at the Shan's place, like pretty much everybody there is in recovery, even the head physician, um, all the counselors, if they weren't in, if they weren't themselves in recovery, then either their parents or their, they were children of an alcoholic or lost a sibling, somebody really close to recovery. And that was a huge tipping point for me as far as I was like, oh, okay, maybe I'll listen to you for a second. And it made me realize even then, like, crap, if I live through this, I need to be willing to talk to people who are having a hard time so that they, so that I can, they can hear it from somebody who's in it because it's hard as shit, <laughs> um, but worth it beyond. Okay. The last thing that has helped me is a way that I've kind of reframed the whole thing. And I still have to do this pretty much every day is instead of feeling, because I still do feel sometimes left out, which is dumb because I don't want to be the me that's had too many vodkas. She's not cute. Um, but you still kind of just feel left out of stuff and it's everywhere. Alcohol's just like everywhere. So I've tried to sort of reframe it as like, 
You're not left out. This is not, you don't want to be a part of that for who you are. And I try and see recovery as like my superpower. <laughs> like I, I saw a shirt one time that said sobriety is my superpower. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. Like I'm not being deprived. Like it's actually, I'm the best me because of it. Like it's made me be somebody I never thought I could even be that's not drinking vodka. So anyway, if that helps at all, if you can sort of see, then I feel like my sobriety is more like a gift to myself instead of being deprived and missing out, if that helps at all. Woo! I am so, <laughs> I am worn out. I hope this has helped some. Um, I'm sorry that I haven't been able to react to everything that y'all are saying because I know that a lot there is a lot of really important things that y'all are sharing. I'm going to go back and watch the live so I can respond to you guys in direct messages. And um, anyway, I hope don't ever hesitate to reach out to me in any way. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. Like in any way, I want to help. And, um, and I just promise you, I never thought I would live much past rehab. So, um, I'm not saying it's perfect and it's not easy and it's still, I'm still recovering literally every day, but like there's something to be said. You gain some strength from the fact that you made it this far and you just keep, keep on keeping on. Love you guys. Love you, Joanne and Jen. Y'all are the best. So I hope this is helpful. Hope this is helpful to somebody because, um, that's really why I'm sharing. That's exactly why I'm sober Barbie. <laughs> Listen, sober Barbies needs to take her not the, the not workout Barbie needs to get back to the workout Barbie. Anyway, I love you guys a whole lot and I appreciate your listening and I appreciate your being sweet and I appreciate your blocking out the scary people. <laughs> um, and I appreciate you guys sharing your story too. It means a lot, and I love you guys, and I'm probably not going to go. Oh, and my mascara stayed great. Yay for Thrive. Oh, and I did this, this, um, the Ico eyeliner on Fuego. <laughs> These are the ones I keep loving, right? And this is doing great. I love us. <laughs> I love us. Okay, you guys are the bomb. I'm probably not going to do live tomorrow just because I was pretty anxious about doing this tonight. Um. But anyway, you guys are magnificent, and I hope you have a great week, and I will be back probably in like two days. Love, love.